The lesson I have entitled this morning is Reclaiming Your Family Destiny. Reclaiming Your Family Destiny. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 1, I'll start reading with verse 6. It says, The Lord our God spoke to us, and I believe it's Moses who's addressing the people. The Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Actually, in Deuteronomy, when you see the word Horeb, it means it's the same place as Sinai. So everybody knows Mount Sinai as the place that the children of Israel had to pause at in order for Moses to go up into the mountain and receive the tablets of the Lord which contain the Ten Commandments. And he says, finally, the Lord says, you've dwelt long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places in the plain, in the mountains and in the lowland, in the south and on the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. Verse 8, see, everyone say see. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. Now, there is no question, if I were to take the time and enumerate all of the issues that are facing families in our culture today, there is no doubt that in most, I would think, of our opinions, family is under assault. The enemy has his crosshairs on our families and is doing his best to not just take out an individual here and there, but he's looking to take out whole family trees. He's looking to take out all the families. And he's doing it on so many different levels, so many different ways that uh, the fronts of this attack are more than probably you or I could even begin to count. And to begin to deal with each one individually is almost overwhelming. I began to consider all the different areas that there were battles going on, and I thought, hey, mercy, sweet Jesus. I mean, it doesn't matter where you look, where you go, what you do. It seems like there's a constant assault on our family. And, and so as I considered how I bring this this morning, I came to the conclusion that there's one thing that we all can do with regards to this assault, no matter what area it may be or what area you might be confronted with on a daily or routine basis. And that is as we go out and we live our Christian faith in everyday ordinary circumstances, as we go from the house of God and we just, we just live it out there, I think the bottom line foundational level that all of us must have before we even begin to uh, attack the enemy and and, and hold up the standard and all the other things we've been called to do. The number one thing we need to get in our spirit is, is that we need to reclaim our family's destiny. Reclaim our family's destiny. Now, this may sound funny to you, because here in America, we tend to be very individualistic. Well, let's just take it another step. We tend to be narcissistic. We, we tend to be very selfish, very self-consumed. We're very individualized in our society, and I understand that there's a place for an individual's destiny. But I believe that my family, and I believe that your family, has a destiny in God. Not just you as an individual, I believe your family has a destiny in God. Scripture shows us 
that destiny and purpose runs through households. Even God himself, is this not interesting, refers to himself as he talks to his people, as he talks to Moses, he refers to it by using a household in order to make sure they understand who it is that's talking to them. He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the God who has a destiny that's running through a household. I'm the God that's going to bring a household into that which I have promised to them. Destiny is not just an individual's right or purpose, but I believe that destiny exists in our marriages. Destiny exists in our families, in our children, in our family trees. I believe that there are destinies that God has declared over your households here this morning, and we need to reclaim that again as the people of God. Our text tells us that the Lord speaks to Moses and he said, I want you to remember that there's this thread that runs through this family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I want you to remember that out of this household, I have reserved a land or I have reserved a destiny for many, many people that's coming out of this particular household. Now, it's interesting that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had this household destiny of a land. But within that household destiny, there were now millions of other destinies that were, that were connected or that were tied to whether or not this household achieved their destiny. Are you with me? The, the, the key to this particular passage that sort of leapt out to me was that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that household, had to begin to see that household destiny come to pass in order to see the wider, broader purposes of God begin to be made manifest. So, here's millions of people who had all of these destinies going on, and they were all tied to some extent to that destiny that existed within that singular household. Do you know what the difference, and maybe the only difference at times, between, let's say, our household, the Baird household, and any other household, now, it may not be so for you, you may be doing this, but for many people, if they were to ask me the question, why is it that certain things seem to turn out in your household the way they do, but it seems like it's a challenge in my household for it to turn out this way? Can I just share with you, it's not nearly as deep or as mysterious as you might think, but very early in our life, Trace and myself, and as our children came along, we became convinced that our household had a destiny on it. We became convinced that God had not just capriciously thrown us together. He didn't just give us a Clayton or a Tyler or a Kalen, but that somehow or another it was in the plan of God that these children were to come. He put us together as a couple, and somehow or another, even as challenging as being in a family can be, somehow or another, he had a destiny in us as a group. And my children know that they have a destiny. They have a destiny in this family and they have a destiny in their life. And we live like we live and we do what we do because by God's grace, we have determined that we're going to fulfill that destiny. Amen. You say that sounds controlling. No, it's not. It's speaking purpose. It's declaring purpose. It's not just, it's not just learning how to correct. It's looking at them at times and saying, what are you doing? You've got a destiny and that ain't it. 
It's not that you have to follow in your father's footsteps. It's not that you have to do what I do. I'm not calling you to anything. I'm just simply saying, I know enough of God to know that ain't your destiny. It wasn't always that way in the Baird household. You've heard me tell these stories from time to time. The Baird family tree, I'll just be honest with you. Up to about 1978, there was like zero righteousness in the tree. I mean, we were, we were in sad shape. And uh, God began to work in me and reached out to me. And in February 1978, that's when I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And, and all of a sudden, I got saved. And I was the first little acorn. Believe me, they thought I was a nut. I was the first little nut in the tree that uh, God was able to grab hold of. And something began to take place in that family tree. It took seven years, listen to me, seven years of living for Jesus before the night I was to leave Olathe, Kansas, which is where we were living and going to school and growing up. It's where my family lived at that particular time. Seven years, I'd gone to school, I'd gone to college to study for the ministry, I'd gone to seminary to continue my education. We were now loading up my little family and going off to Ohio in order to pastor a church in Ohio. Seven, seven years, I had lived for the Lord, studied for the ministry, done all sorts of things to try to get a hold of my folks and, 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 and the family tree. Seven years. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because there are some of you right now who you look at your family tree and you spent what you think to be a good amount of time working on it and nothing seems to be happening. I want you to know seven years and on the night before I was to leave to go to Ohio, we were staying at my folks' house. My sister was still at the house. We were, we were downstairs late sitting there and it was just the moment that her heart opened up and I was able to present the gospel to her and right there and then she accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And now there were two nuts in the family tree. So she went off and, and it stuck. Praise God, it stuck in her. And she went off to school and she got married and married a, a Christian guy and they had children and they go to church. And so now there's, I don't know how many are in their family, what, six or I don't know, six, six people in their family, four kids, two of them. And, and of course, they're very very tied in to what goes on at church and the things of the Lord and everybody's born again of course our family comes along and 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 you know there's just more and it's beginning to expand so there's you know the four of us for a long time and then the six of them of course Kalen came along and that made another one as well but then we'd all go to the lake and we'd vacation and some of my cousins would come and they do like everybody did at the lake you know whenever you go on vacation all the rules get suspended so everybody's drinking you know and doing their party thing, relaxing at the lake, vacationing. And we've just tried to keep a consistent testimony and consistent testimony. And, and we prayed about family and all sorts of things and tried to have conversation. At times it went well, at times it didn't go so hot. But all of a sudden, not too many years ago, my cousin, who's married now to a gentleman who has, I think, what, four children? That had five children, lost one. But they get born again. And now they're into the things of God. And they're raising their children up in the things of God. And now that they're born again, they got my aunt and uncle into church. And they've given their heart and life. Well, I don't know if they have or not, but they're there. And all of a sudden, this family tree that didn't have a speck of righteousness in it, 
giving it now 25 years, I can, I can now envision the day where the Baird family history will be literally changed from this time forward. And I'll tell you the reason why that is so. It's because I believe, I believe, and you can put your last name in here as well. So, so don't you walk out of here and say, well, Baird, pastor's just bragging. I'm telling you, you need to get this in your spirit. Who your family is and what your last name is. And you need to begin to believe that there is a destiny on this house in God, and I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to reclaim what God put in the earth with my name and with my heritage. I found out I had a great, great, great granddad somewhere down the line that was a Methodist minister. And he came across on a ship, this is, you know, century, I guess, centuries ago. I, I mean, I'm really not sure of the date. I'm thinking it's the late 1700s, early 1800s. And he was obviously a righteous man, Cain. And that was forgotten in our household. I didn't even know that that even existed until I was halfway through my seminary education. And someone had told me that, that they had some commentaries from this great, great granddad that he brought over on that ship. And they gave me those commentaries. And you could still see the saltwater stains on the commentaries that were given to me. And suddenly it lit up in me when I realized that there was a moment in my family tree where there was somebody who was being righteous and somebody, for all I know, who was obeying God and jumping on a ship and coming across to America. And somewhere along the line, it got messed up. Because by the time it got down to us, there was no sign of righteousness. There was no sign of anything godly going on in our family tree. I mean, you go to a Baird family event and the first thing they would do was grab the beer. I mean, grab the six-packs. We have a family outing. Let's get sauced. That's how it works. That's what I grew up with. But once God got his fingers in our tree and when he began to get a hold of my life and my sister and cousins and aunts and uncles and all of a sudden this is starting to spread, he can cause that tree to become an oak of righteousness. But here's where it starts. You've got to, right now, as you're listening to my voice, you've got to reclaim your family's destiny. Amen. I don't care how bad you think your family tree is. Some of you say, family tree, Lord, it's tumbleweed, man. It's, 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 I don't even have a tree. I mean, I don't even know. I'm, maybe maybe I'm, I'm, I came from an orphanage. I'm adopted. I'm this, I'm that. I don't, it doesn't matter anymore. You can start right now seizing and reclaiming your family tree and i'll just be honest with you in our household we don't do it every day but we do it at times along the way remind our children and just remind ourselves that there is a destiny on this house some of you here today have a destiny in your family tree and can i just share this with you i believe you're here this morning because you may be the only chance of that destiny coming to pass in your family tree do you realize that? You're here today to hear my voice for the express purpose for the Lord to put in your heart that if it doesn't happen in you, it isn't going to happen. Now that's weighty. And it needs to be weighty. Some of you right now would look at your family tree and you would say, Pastor, if you saw my family tree, you would see crazy. You would see dysfunctional. Lord, half my family tree's in prison. The other half's on medication. It's fractured. It's divorced. It's offended. It's mad. It's alienated. 
I don't care what your tree looks like. I got good news. God will pluck that tree up, plant it by waters that are full of life, and it can become whole again. But somebody has to stand for it. Somebody has to reclaim it. You say, well, how do I reclaim that destiny? Well, the nation of Israel had to be constantly reminded of their destiny. Every time God called himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he was reminding them of their promise and their destiny in the family tree. I want to remind you today, it doesn't matter to God. It ought not matter to even you where you came from. It's about where you're going. It is time you became just tenaciously resilient that you are going to be a part of that leaven of righteousness that can filter through the family tree. The problem with Israel was that they could never translate the national vision. They could never translate the national vision of this household of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They couldn't translate it down to their personal house. Therefore, when they would face battles, when they would face struggles, when they would all be marching along and Moses would be encouraging them and they were going, why why are we doing this? You remember, oftentimes they say, I don't know why we're doing this, because it, you know, it was better in Egypt, remember? They fed us, that, you know. It was, it was one of those enablement states where they didn't have to worry about getting fed and getting housing and getting help, people always doing for them. And now they're out here going after their destiny, and they've actually got to do something themselves. So they're walking along, and, and, but they never had the ability to connect the dots. They never had the ability to connect their personal destinies with this corporate household destiny, and it seemed, it seemed at times unnecessary. So when they would go into battle, and so they would go fight all the different enemies of the land, they would fight the Amalekites and the Hittites and the Amorites and all the different ites of the land, as they would begin to fight these people... At times they would get weary, they'd get worn out, and they didn't want to do it. They just, they just wanted to check out, and they were saying, this is too hard. What has this got to do with me? What has this got to do with where I'm going and what I need? And there were always just a few who were able to connect the dots and rise up and begin to understand that there was, there was a connection that was taking place in that household of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that household destiny that God had spoken, they were linked to somehow in some way. And that as God would bring to pass destinies, he would in turn bring to pass their destiny. Can I just say this with you? This is what I believe. I believe that there are people who I'm associated with who as they walk into their destiny, I will begin to see certain features of my destiny begin to unfold. And I'll just be so bold to tell you this. I believe there are certain aspects of my destiny as it unfolds will begin to help you seize your destiny. That's why when we stand up here and we say we need each other, that's just not a trite, churchy thing to say. Those people either all went into the land or none of them went into the land. Do you realize that? I mean, isn't that just, that doesn't hardly seem fair. What happens if you got some dimwit? That just is lazy and no count. And just doesn't want to get with it. I mean, are you going to tell me that they somehow are going to subvert what God wants to do in me? Well, I'm just here to tell you, it at least would be worthy of an exhortation at times to say, you know what? You need to get on with the destiny that God has in your house because I'm going on with the destiny God has in my house. Amen. How do we reclaim it? Let me give you these steps real fast. Write them down real fast. 
This is what God said to Moses. Number one, he said, it is time that you quit dwelling at Sinai. You've dwelt long enough at this mountain. Number one, it's time to move on from the past. I don't care how righteous your past is. I don't care how righteous the family tree is. I don't care how unrighteous it is. Today's the day you say, we are moving on from the past. We are cutting that off. We're moving on from the past. And we're going to begin to move forward. As good as Sinai was. And you remember, that's where, that's where they received the commandments of the Lord. That's where they saw the power of God. I'm here to tell you God's power showed up. God says this, as good or as needful as Sinai was, it is time for you to move on. As good as some things in the past may be, it is time to move on. I'm here to tell you, folks, I'm not going back. I'm moving on. I can look back and I can see wonderful moments of God's dealings and workings and movement in my life and in my surroundings. And I can affirm them and value them. But I'm here to tell you, God says you've camped there long enough. It's time to go on and get to destiny. Have you ever watched Napoleon Dynamite? The first time I watched that thing, I didn't get it. I watched that whole thing, I said, I don't get it. I really, I just didn't get it. And, I, and so I had to watch it a couple times, and then I, well, I still didn't get it. I mean, but, but what is it, Uncle Rico? You remember Uncle Rico and the van? And, and how Uncle Rico was always reliving the catch he should have made in the end zone. He's, he's, he's 15 years past high school, and he's still wanting to relive the catch that he should have made in that last high school game. And, he, and, and that's all he talks about. If I'd have just made the catch, if I'd have made the catch, I'd be in the NFL right now. If I'd have made the catch, my life would be so different. I wouldn't be selling, you know, Tupperware door to door. I mean, you know, that's my destiny. It is time Rico, Uncle Rico, moved on. And I'm telling you, there's there's some Uncle Rico spirits that have got to move on. I mean, I'm glad for your long, you know, heritage and history and wherever it is you had a wonderful opportunity, but it's now time to move on. Move on from the past. That's how you begin to reclaim your future and your heritage. Number two. Repent for any apathy you may have had about your destiny. It's interesting. God says here in verse 7, he says, it is time to turn and take your journey. If you've been apathetic about household destiny, you need to say, Lord, forgive me for being apathetic. You put a destiny on this house. You put a call on this house. You've given us as a household a purpose. And Lord, we turn. We, We repent from our apathy and our lethargy from sitting so long at Sinai or sitting so long and wallowing wherever we're at, we repent from that and today we arise and we're moving into the land. There's no such thing as neutral. We're either hot or we're cold. That's God's word. Remember, there's no tepid or neutral. We've got to get on with destiny. Number three, you've got to take on the enemies of that destiny. He says here, go in there and to the mountains of the Amorites. I was reading that and I thought to myself, yeah, he's telling them you're going to have to go to a mountain, which is a Hebrew picture for a challenge or a difficulty, and there's going to be some Amorites on that mountain. There's going to be some, some enemies on that mountain. There's going to be some devilment on that mountain. But he says you need to turn and it's time you took on the challenge of reclaiming your destiny. It is time that when you went to the family outing and the family gathering, you had enough guts to say, we don't do what you all are going to do. We're going to reclaim our heritage. You all can end up in jail, you know, DUI'd, you know, stupid, brain fried or whatever it is you're going to be. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
It's time we started taking on the ites of the land. Don't let the ites fear you and talk you out of things or talk you out of your destiny. There will always be people who will look at you and think that you're over the top. You're overboard. Come on, you don't have to be that serious. You're just getting a little excessive in this thing. They will criticize you and they will misunderstand you. They will curse you. They will defile other people concerning you. But you need to just keep battling the spirit and not let the enemy discourage you because in the day we're living in, it's becoming excessive in the world. It's time we got a little excessive in the spirit. We need to blast this society out of their lethargy, apathy, and their tolerance of everything that is abnormal. If we, we're told that we're intolerant if it's abnormal. I mean, well, well yeah, they're dysfunctional and, and, and they're just crazy, but we ought to tolerate them. Why? 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 So we can be crazy and dysfunctional? I don't think so. Listen, take on the enemies of that destiny. There may be people right now who are rooting for your demise. I'm going to share this with you. I, this is several months ago, and I had to really get over this, because I'll be honest with you, I had not been challenged with an offense this great for a long, long time. But I had a word come to me that said that there was somebody rooting for the demise of my children and my household. They were, they were rooting for it. They were wanting it to happen. And I just, I mean, I just almost got, you hadn't, I'm just telling you, you hadn't seen me really irritated. It ain't pretty. And I was getting there. I was just, Lord, I don't want to forgive them. I want to go just, in fact, I don't even want to shoot them. I want to beat them. I want to do it with my hands. I mean, that's how kind of what I was feeling. And then it just dawned on me. There will always be people rooting for your demise. They'll root for your demise. They, they will actually root for you. They'll, they'll, they'll wait for the word to come that you've fallen or you're in a ditch. They'll, they'll have their side bets going on as to how long it'll take or how long it'll be before you end up crashing again. They're rooting for your demise. I'm here to tell you it's time you rose up and you just took that spirit on and say, root on. I am going on for my destiny. No, I probably, you know, I'm a human being. I may stumble, bumble a little bit along the way, but I am going for my destiny. And I'm not letting the enemy detour me. Number four, you need to begin to envision what the future should be. You know, we talk about vision in the church, and we talk about vision at our jobs, and we talk about vision, you know, in different areas of life. Can I ask you a question? Do you have a vision for your household? The most basic foundational organization in the universe is the family. And I want to ask you, do you have a vision for what God has called your household to be? Now, I'm not saying control everybody in your household, but at least to be able to say, I can see what God could do within this household. God could do something great within this household. You need to begin to see that and envision it and see what God can do. Don't you listen to what others may say about households and what they think and what they feel. Don't you let it happen. You begin to see what God sees and begin to envision that there is a future and what it could be. Number five, you need to cast vision of destiny to your children regularly. Can I just say this? I think this is important, and, and I don't know that I've read it anywhere, but I, I do know that we've practiced it, and I think it's helped. 
And that is, is that you don't just correct children as much as they need corrected. And believe me, when they need corrected, correct them. But do they have a sense of family destiny? Do they know what the goal is? Have you ever looked them in the eye and said to them, you have got a destiny in God and the reason you're going to grow up and learn the scriptures and the reason you're going to circumscribe your life and the reason I'm going to help you choose your friends and the reason we're going to keep you on the straight and narrow and the reason we're going to every now and then walk into your room unexpectedly and the reason we don't let you put that on the wall and the reason we do this is because your destiny is more important than what you just like for the moment. Amen. You've got greatness in your veins. Why would I let you wallow in the slop when you are great? And by the way, I'm still whooping you. Are you with me? You got to do both. You've you got to correct and say, the reason I'm whooping your tail right now is because there's greatness in you. Greatness in you. Amen. Do you understand destiny doesn't just happen? They need a visionary in the house. Dads, moms, you've got to speak vision in the house. They need that. If you want godly seed, sow it into their hearts. Sow destiny. Sow it so much inside of them that if they get off track, there's something that will plague them that they'll always know there was something better, greater. And that will call them back. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart. You know why? It's because if you've been training him, you've got a destiny. Yes, God's going to use you. You're going to do more than I ever did. You're going to go places I've never been. You're going to be in nations that I'll never get to go to. You'll be before people that I will never see. I want you to know. I want you to be trained. I want you to be trained not only educationally, but I want you to be trained spiritually. I want you to be trained in righteousness and godliness. I want you to be trained so that when you're in your early years, you'll be as wise as I was in my later years. You've got a destiny. Number six, speak it constantly. Negative gets slung constantly. You've got to speak destiny faithfully. Speak the future constantly. And then number seven, I'm done. Take steps of faith in that direction. What are you going to do to invest in your household destiny? Are you going to sacrifice for destiny? I, I'm telling you, I, this is, I've come to this conclusion. I, I, I know that the Bible speaks about preparing for the future and all the preparations we make for the future. So I always want to make sure I speak with a sense of the whole counsel of God. But, but this is a part of the counsel of God too, that one of these days, I'm going to trade my car in and someone else's name is going to be on the title. One of these days I'll either sell my house or Jesus will come and Armageddon will take place and it will all burn up. And when I leave this world, the only thing I'll have is just my relationship to God, the obedience I had in Him, the faithfulness that I walked it out with Him, and all the people's lives that I may have touched along the way, most importantly, the ones that he gave me in my household, my kids. And what steps did I take in order to, to make sure that my household was an agent for good, that my household was an agent 
for godly change. My household was an agent for righteousness. You know, one of these days, I'm going to pass the torch off to other people. I'm going to pass it off to my children in my household, and, and there'll be a day that I'll die and I'll go on to be with Jesus. If he doesn't come sooner, there'll be a day that they'll pass the torch on as well. And the question is, well, I have done my part in order to establish that which needs to be done in order that our household destiny will begin to be made manifest. What steps are you taking in order to sacrifice for that, to invest in that, the energy that it takes to do that? You've heard this before, I want to read it again. There were two families that grew up in two separate perspectives and ways. The first family was the Jukes family. Max Jukes was an atheist. He lived a godless life. He married an ungodly girl. And from this union, it was found that there were 310 who died as paupers. 150 were criminals. Seven were murderers, a hundred were drunkards, and more than half of the women were prostitutes. His 540 descendants cost the state one and a quarter million dollars. But there was another man by the name of Jonathan Edwards. He lived at exactly the same time as Max Jukes, married a godly girl. An investigation was made of the 1,394 known descendants of Jonathan Edwards, of which 13 became college presidents. 65 were college professors. Three were United States senators. 30 were judges. 100 were lawyers. 60 were physicians. 75 were Army and Navy officers. 100 were preachers and missionaries. 60 were authors of prominence. One was a vice president of the United States. 80 became public officials in other capacities. 295 of them were college graduates, among whom were governors of states and ministers to foreign countries. I want to ask you this question. When your life is all said and done, what lineage do you want to leave behind? I think just in this room, if, if, we, if we got the revelation of it, we could reclaim. We could reclaim not only our own households, we could reclaim this whole region in probably just a couple generations. I believe that's the heart of God. I believe that's part of the reason we're here, is to one more time say it can't be different. You have a destiny. Do you believe that? I want you to hear it from me. If, if, you, would, if you would look at me as a type of spiritual dad in your life, I want to look at you and say you got a destiny. you got a purpose in God. Some of you in here are doing a real good job at pursuing it. The Lord is pleased. Some of you in here, you need, wake up. Come on now. You got a destiny. Don't do that dumb stuff. Come on. You got, you got a purpose in God. You got a future. And right now, I'm just telling you right now, you ain't getting there the way it's going. So I'm exhorting you as a good dad would. Come on. You got a great destiny. Do you understand? History can be changed in these few moments. I'm probably the only one that thinks like that but it really gets in me every now and then. I believe we can change our world, but it's going to start with you and it's going to start with me. Let's stand, shall we? Holy Spirit, thank you right now for talking to us, encouraging us, exhorting us. Thank you right now, Lord, that ears were open to hear, hearts were open to receive, and that you're, you're causing your spirit to arise in people right now to say yes.
to you. Yes, with regards to their family and their household destiny. Yes, with regards to what the future could be and that they're settling for so much less than what could come to pass. Lord, I pray right now that in this service this morning that that would turn around and as you spoke to Moses and told him to communicate to the children of Israel to turn around, you spent too long at this mountain, it's time to go take that next mountain. Lord, I pray that that word would get in people's hearts and spirits today to move from the mountain they are at and to take on that next mountain. With the confidence, Lord, even as we begin to teach it next week, that they can win. They can win every time. Lord, I pray you'd work that even in the young people that are here, the youth as well as the children. I know the children are here today. And Lord, I pray even though it's hard to listen to an adult or pastor as he teaches or preaches, I know it doesn't always fit them so easily. But Holy Spirit, would you right now, on the very littlest of ones that are in this room, somehow, someway, they may never hear it in their house, they may never hear it from their moms or their dads, Lord, I don't know, but let them hear it this morning somehow. Lord, that they have a destiny in God. That they are purposed in God. That, Lord, there's something you're calling them to that is great and it is noble. And indeed, they are planet shakers. Lord, let that get in their, their little hearts somehow this morning and let it lodge in there that they might know that. And that they might never wander from that truth. Thank you, Lord, for rekindling that flame. I'm just going to have you stand right where you're at right now. This is what I want to ask with every head bowed and every eye closed. How many of you are ready right now to reclaim your family's heritage, your, your destiny? Just lift your hand. I'm going, to, I'm going to reclaim my household destiny right now. Okay, God bless you. Put your hands down right now. Lord, you saw all those hands. Man, there's a lot of folks here that are ready to reclaim their household destiny. Lord, I believe there is some phenomenal things that you have designed for some households out here. That there are people in this room this morning, Lord, that if they could only see what the future held in you, Lord, they would sacrifice, they would step up, they would do all kinds of things in order to do their part in seeing that come to pass. Lord, I pray right now for every hand that was raised, that you would infuse them with divine strength. Lord, that you would, you would put in them the wherewithal to not, to not give up that destiny, to not, to not lose it, to not let the voices that surround them at times somehow snuff it out. But, oh God, I pray that your voice right now would resonate in their spirit forever. That your plan is better than anything else that could come their way. Lord, cause us to see how all that's knit together even as a people. I don't even understand how all that works together as a people. But Lord, I do know you brought us together as a people in order that great things in you might be accomplished. Lord, let that once again settle in amongst us, I pray in Jesus' name. Again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to do this before we leave today. We always want to give an invitation. I know some services, it just may not happen or it may not be conducive, but I do my best every service just to give an invitation. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around right now, your family household destiny starts with being 
born again, right with God, being saved, getting on track. You can't, you can't, you can't all of a sudden say, well, yeah, I need to do better, I need to do better, and not have entered into repentance and change and, and sought to restore the relationship with God who is the destiny giver. So right now, I want to ask you right now to be honest with the Holy Spirit. Are you right with God? Are, are, coming into the house of God this morning, could you say, you know, everything was really, really right? Or, or was there areas that had so broken down that the truth of the matter is destiny was lost? We can reclaim it and recover it, but you've got to determine right now that you want to be in relationship with the destiny giver. How about it? How about it? Have you ever given your heart and life to Jesus Christ? Or have you become so wayward that you need to say, you know, I need to restore this aspect and I need to, to make it official before I go today? Jesus said that if you'll acknowledge me before men, that I will acknowledge you before the Father. But he went on to say that if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. So here at Legacy, we always give invitations to ask people to slip out and to come so that we can... Declare before men and before God, this is really what I want. It's not to embarrass you. It's not to put you on the spot. It's trying to be scriptural. So right now, I believe there are probably several that could come and say, you know what, I want to be right before I go this morning. I, I don't want you to think about who you came with. I don't want you to think about all the other things. Just go with your heart right now. God's speaking to you by his spirit. Just slip out and I want you to join me here. Just join me right here. We got people who are coming. You won't be alone. You won't be alone. Come on. We got people who are coming right now. You won't be alone. You won't be alone. Come on. Come on. Come on. You won't be alone. God bless the courage of, of people who'll just say, you know, I'm ready to do this. I'm, I'm ready to do this. How about you? Come on, I, you, know, I, you know what I know happens because it happened to me. I can remember the night that God really, really dealt with me and my heart was just pounding a thousand miles an hour. Nobody could see it on the outside, but I knew it was happening on the inside. And the best thing that ever happened was when I just said yes to it. Come on now, others have come. Have you ever watched the Holy Spirit? This is the coolest moment. I've got the best seat in the house right now. It's the coolest moment to begin to see the Holy Spirit just kind of move across the congregation. How about it? I'm only, I can only take just about 30, 60 more seconds, but don't, don't, don't wait me out. Don't wait him out. Come on. Come on. I want my, I'm going to reclaim my family destiny. It doesn't have to keep going the way it's going. That's the best decision you'll ever make. Just come on. Come on. Just how about it? This is good. This is good. This isn't, this isn't a bad thing. This is a good thing. This is the start of something new and right and wonderful. Come on. Last week as I was driving out, Trace and I were talking and we had just watched some of the young people. You know, they came down just sort of one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. And I looked at Trace and I said, you know, it was important that it happened that way so the congregation could see how the Holy Spirit works. He's working on people right now. Come on now, lunch isn't as important as a whole family tree. You'll get your lunch, I promise you, none of us will go hungry. But we need to be hungry for God right now.
that I only got 30, 60 more seconds. Really, I, as long as you keep coming, I, I'll tarry. But let's just, just, let's just say yes right now. Everybody in the house, just say yes with me right now. Let's just say yes. Let's let the spirit of obedience come. The spirit of obedience in the house. Yes, yes, Lord. Come on, yes. All right. Oh, I'm closing. That door's closing now. Come on. Amen. We're going to pray right now. I want everybody, congregation, all of you that have gathered with me right here, we're all going to pray together. Everybody's voice, you need to lift it up with me, and I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. And if you'll attach your genuineness, and if you'll attach your sincerity to what I'm about to pray, God will come, and he will cleanse you, and he will pick you up and dust you off, and he will turn you around, and he'll point you at a mountain off in the distance. And he'll say, you go take that mountain. You can do it. Yes, you can. Father, I pray right now. Everybody just pray with me. Say, Father, I pray right now. In the name of Jesus. That your presence would come. And cleanse me. By the blood of Jesus. And his sacrifice. Restore my relationship. With you, O oh God. I confess with my mouth all my waywardness, my sins, my mistakes. And I choose today to turn and walk toward that mountain full of faith that you will live in me and you will sustain me and that you will help me. I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead and that same power will help me tomorrow and next week, next month, and next year and all the years of my life to fulfill your destiny on me and my house. I receive you today. Live big in me. Change me, transform me, give me a new way of looking at things. I thank you right now, it's happening in my life. I believe it with all my heart, in Jesus' name, amen. Can we all give the Lord a big hand? Praise God. I'm going to pray for the congregation. I'm going to let ladies, I'm going to let the ladies just shift over to the connect and, and I want the guys to go to disciple here real quick. Now, come on, let's do this real quick. Ladies, if you could just slip over to connect real quick and guys will go to disciple and we're just going to pray with you one more time and we want to get to know you and just connect up with you. And congregation, can you say amen? amen. Do you believe there's destiny in the house? Purpose in your veins? Purpose in your veins? I believe there is. So, Lord, right now, I just seal your work in all of our hearts and lives. Lord, I thank you today that as we walk out of this house of God, that, that Lord, we're walking out as destiny-filled people, purpose-filled people. And that, Lord, you're going to cause our whole household, Lord, to be encompassed in your work in the earth. Lord, I bless these people. I ask that you would cause them to be victorious in their challenges this week. 
Lord, I pray that the Amorites and the Hittites and the Amalekites, Lord, all the ites of their life would be defeated in the name of Jesus. And that they would stand on that mountain victorious. Let it begin to take place in all their lives this week, I ask. In Jesus' mighty name. And all the house of God said, Amen. Amen. One more time, give them a big hand clap. Hey, make sure, listen to me now, make sure you greet people. If they're new folks that are here, take the time to introduce yourself and greet them uh, properly. And uh, we're glad you're here. Come back. We'll see you on Wednesday night, I hope, 6.30, as we share again. God bless you. You're released.